0: This is the Action Network Podcast.
1: It's on target, and it is good! Wow! Without further
0: ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Oh,
2: can't I'm gonna just leave it up there.
0: He couldn't make that if he tried that again. absolutely not. got the floor. Let's go! Welcome to
3: the Action Network Podcast, NBA edition. I'm your host, Matt Moore. Today's odds are brought to you by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network Podcast. I'm joined today by Raheem Palmer and Brandon Anderson, as always. Brandon, how are we doing? Big night of basketball
4: ahead of us. Ready for some big games. We're hitting home stretch here, so feeling good.
3: Raheem Palmer, I know that this has been a stressful time for you, given uh, the uncertainty every single night. How are we hanging in there?
1: You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. It's just, like, I can't complain. I'm You know, I'm very happy with some of my bets this week. So, hopefully, we can keep churning out these winners. All right.
3: On today's show, we are going to do our marquee events, which is going to be something a little different, as we do every kind of week as we start and hit the stretch run. We're going to try and give you an idea of the value uh, of potential series that we want to see that we want to bet. Not that we want to watch, that we want to bet. We'll do that first. We'll also have a look at Back to the Futures and... Thanks for nothing, as well as we give you an idea of who has been the most pain in our backsides this week. Oh, do I have one from Tuesday night to share with you all? All right, let's get started with our NBA marquee.
0: The marquee. You can hear the chatter from the crowd. All right,
3: on this week's episode, we are drafting our top three selections for series that we want to see. We are 21 days from the start of the NBA playoffs, roughly. Uh, at least the play in tournament begins and we want we are going to have a lot of changes in that time big slay games on Wednesday uh, that will probably be going on as you listen to this or after you listen to this, a lot of things can change we're actually hosting a locker room on Wednesday night, uh, You can check the action network handle for more on that or follow me on Twitter at HP basketball, but um, we want to get a sense for all right, look, certain matchups are just juicy. And if you're a better, like you'll you you can see those ones coming down the road. Last year, we saw Heat Bucks coming a mile away. Like, I wrote about it in January. Like, I was like, Look, I, I what was funny. Is in January, I was like, The Heat defense is not good, they're gonna regress, but keep an eye out in the playoffs because they're probably gonna beat the Bucks. And then, like, that's what happened. Um, we saw that one coming a mile away, I think. Uh, We can also look back and say like Bucks Raptors was probably was at least visible from Raheem's perspective because Raheem sees everything. And then um, (laughs) we have other there's all these series that you can kind of look back at and say, like, you could you saw that one coming. Um, So let's start with Brandon. Brandon, what's your first choice for a series you want to see because you want to bet on it?
4: So I'm coming out of the gates firing here. I'm going back to the well for a rematch that we got last year. I want Bucks heat, and I want the Bucks. And here's why I think it's different this year. Because the the whole thing, we know the whole thing with Milwaukee's defense is that they give up a ton of three-pointers, but they funnel them toward the lesser shooters on the team. This is what they've been doing for years now. That was what did not work against Miami last year because Miami had so many guys shooting this season Miami ranks 26th in three-point percentage and I just don't see enough volume of threes or percentage of threes I don't see enough guys that are gonna get the shots up suddenly it's like you know last year we, we saw Jay Crowder you know was one of the guys that suddenly was like shooting lights out for the whole series and then as Jay Crowder does disappeared like a week later in whatever the, the conference finals or the finals, I forget when, but he just fell off completely. Who's that going to be this year? Avery Bradley, Tara Trevor Ariza, like Butler, no more threes. Bam out bio, not a three-point shooter. Tyler Hero, falling off the map, but way back to earth. Duncan Robinson, that's the guy that the Bucks are going to scheme to take away. Um, Miami, I mean, look, Raheem and I have been beating the drum all year. Miami's not good. They're not good. And I want this matchup because I think that the books are going to give me a way better line than I should get because of what happened last year. The Bucs are good. The Bucs are better this year than they were last year when we get to the playoffs. Drew Holiday is not Eric Bledsoe. That was the whole point of what we're doing this year. Uh, the Bucks have a more versatile offense. They're elite rebounding enough to dominate in that area. They're not going to turn it over. So that takes away a Miami strength. I just don't think that that series I, I just don't see Miami winning it this year. And I think that we get a much better price than we ought to because of what happened last year. So I want that one.
3: I like it. I like the boldness. Uh, I think Raheem Palmer is probably going to agree given uh, how he feels about Miami, but I'm not sure. Raheem, what are your thoughts on
1: that? I mean, I, I love it. I mean, to me, you know, Miami's always going to end up in a rock fight. I mean, their offense is just so abysmal that any team can hang around. And I've seen it time and time again. You know, this team just lost to the Bulls without Zach Levine.
0: NBA All-Star, Zach Levine.
1: I expect them to lose tonight against the Spurs, to be honest. Like, I don't understand their five-point favorites because you see this team, they have a good defense. But if you can't score in today's NBA going have problems and I think you know tragic you know in the bubble he played like the guy from five years ago Jay Crowder played out of his mind he's gone you know Tyler Hero has regressed he's not gonna play the way he did in the bubble I think there's only so much you can do with Jimmy Butler driving to the basket you know Jimmy Butler's is only shooting 22 percent from three so it's just like you got to be able to hit the three consistently and everybody's regressed I'm fading them against almost everybody
3: last year at that MGM Official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. The Heat Buck series, the Heat were plus 375. That was um, a 1 5 matchup, I believe, either a 1 5 or a 1 4. 1 5, yeah. And so, like, similar situation, that would probably be this year if it happened uh, in terms of the Bucks would be the three and the Heat might be the six. So, it might be a first round series instead of a second round series. Um, alternatively, it might wind up as like a theoretically a two seven Milwaukee Heat or Milwaukee can get the three, win their first round matchup. And I guess theoretically the heat could beat the Sixers. That would be a wild turn of events. <laughs> but at plus three seventy-five, they beat them last year. Do you think enough money comes in on the Heat side to get that number shorter?
4: I didn't remember it being plus three seventy-five. I do think that number would be shorter. Just because a little bit of what happened last year, and a little bit of, I think everyone has moved to the until they prove it stage with Milwaukee. So I think, I think people, because of what happened last year, we're going to view Milwaukee worse than we ought to until proven otherwise, and Miami better than we ought to until proven otherwise. So I think that that's going to close the gap. I think, too, just not being the one seed and not having the, the two-time reigning MVP is going to close the gap a little bit and just lower that perception. I don't know if it's going to close it enough to provide huge value on the series line. I think that I'd be looking not necessarily just to take... I, I can't think what that would make Milwaukee uh, in the series straight up. I don't know that that will be value, but I think I'd be looking to see about like taking the under in games, like Milwaukee and five. Mm. or. And just, like, playing Milwaukee game to game and, and banking on the line of each game, maybe not catching up before people realize, like, oh, wait, Miami's just not good enough to face this team anymore.
3: So, let's say, I, I, I would imagine it would be two and a half. It's probably what that line would wind up being at. It would be probably two and a half differential. You could play that line, right? The, the win differential between yeah. the two being two and a half.
4: Um, yeah, I think so
3: let's see uh yeah and then the the for game two (laughs) i'm just looking at our game guide for game two the heat were still five and a half point dogs in game two
2: um i think that's kind of like the question right is like uh exactly what number you get at is going to be very interesting in this um I mean, you
3: are a man that hates to to lay juice. Would you like what what amount of juice would you be willing to lay on Milwaukee in that in that series?
4: Well, that's the thing. I I'm looking even as you're saying that. I'm thinking about like, okay, so if Milwaukee opens, what do we think they open? Then like four four or five points in game one, something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think,
1: honestly, I think it's closer to seven.
4: So I think the angle, yeah, I I don't like drinking the juice. I think if anything me being me, I'm looking to go the other way. I'm looking to maybe think about selling a few points back. If there's a line that I really like and like trying to play that angle to say, okay, if it is, you know, if it, if it's more like seven, like Raheem says, maybe not, if it's closer to five, then maybe I might, you know, I have to look into it, but I might play it to to see if I can play an alternate line at a book and play it to like seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range. If if I feel that confident in the matchup. Um, so no, I, I think there are ways. There are ways to find plus opportunities if you have the right read or the right matchup. So I think that there
3: there are ways to get around it. So my my only hesitancy here is just that like there's no concern in you about Goran Dragic just suddenly turning back into Steve Nash. Like there's no concern in you whatsoever about all of the Bucks shooters going cold again, like we saw versus Charlotte last night for a long stretch of that game. Um, there's no concern from you that they'll be able to build a wall around Giannis again. Like there's no concern from you on any of these, like all of a sudden the heat just become this playoffs behemoth. There's no concern from you there.
4: There's concern. There's just not enough of it. Like that, like I I won't feel comfortable if I, if I feel comfortable, then I'd bet the alternate line up to like 12 or 15 or something and do something ridiculous. Like that's not what we do is better. That's not how you make money. You, you have some concern. Nothing is definite. That's right. why we enjoy this. But, you know, I, I could see it, but I feel a lot better about Goran Dragic not turning to Steve Nash when Drew Holiday is on the other side and is going to actually play, hopefully, 35, 40, whatever minutes if Bud deigns to allow his players to crack the 25-minute limit in the playoffs this year. Uh, what you didn't mention and what I guess I just did mention, the thing more than anything else that would leave me fear is when it pans the sidelines and I see Spo and then I see Bud, that's what (laughs) leaves me afraid. That's, that's what makes me not feel super great. Um, But I just think that the Bucks are a lot better. And honestly, I think that they were a lot better last year too. They just ran into the heat at the wrong time. The heat shooters all got hot. Like we've been over this, that everything happened. Everything was in the right spot for Miami. The bubble settings were right. It wasn't right for Milwaukee. They had a lot that they were going through. Giannis got hurt in the middle of the series. It just was the right time and the right place for Miami. And by definition, that makes this no longer the right time, the right place. So I have a little concern. I
3: don't have enough of it. You're not superstitious. You're just a little stitious. All right. Uh, Raheem Palmer, what's your first pick? (laughs)
1: I'm going to go with the, the Los Angeles Clippers and the Utah Jazz. I love this matchup. I mean, I spoke about it all year. <laughs> the, the, the Jazz just don't have the wings to match up with this team. I mean, if you have Royce O'Neal, Royce, Royce O'Neal and Boyan Bogdanovic, you know, you're facing Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. That's just a huge matchup advantage. And then, you know, the Clippers have, you know, they have Batum. They have Morris. I just don't like the way that matchup lines up. And then also I think one of the things I noticed is I think in the last game, um, the Clippers um, beat them, they played, they was able to play Gobert off the floor. Um, so I think they played Morris at center with Beverly, Bratoon, George, and Leonard. Um, and that, I think they put up an offensive rating of, you know, 131. And then they pretty much play Gobert off the floor because Gobert is good at protecting the rim. But if you got, you know, five guys out there who could spread the floor and shoot the three. He's not as viable, And we saw that happen, you know, when they played the Rockets in the playoffs as well. So I'm going to be all over the Clippers. You know, I'll lay juice um, even on the road because I just think the Clippers are just, they just have an answer for everything that the Jazz are trying to do. And we spoke about trying to feed the Jazz all year. And I think this is, this is a matchup where I think the Clippers win this, you know, four, one, four, two.
4: Raheem, do you feel as confident in that matchup if it's in the Western Conference Finals and the seeding stays where it is, meaning that the Jazz have just beaten the Lakers to get there? Do you still feel that good about it?
1: Yeah. I, I'm not really I, – I, I mean, I just don't see – I don't see how the, the the Jazz have an answer for anything the Clippers want to do on offense or defense.
4: So I think it's a really bad spot for Gobert just because I I, I don't know – I don't know what his role is. The Clippers don't attack the rim. Like they're, I think, I think Zach Lowe talked with us on the podcast yesterday that they, they, until, until like the last couple of weeks, they have been like second lowest in the entire NBA and they're only higher lately because nobody normal is playing. And so Terrence Mann is playing and like, we, we both know he's not going to get enough minutes and get to do that in the playoffs. So I don't know. Yeah. I think you're right that I don't know what Gobert does in the matchup when the Clippers go to their right lineups.
3: I can't believe I'm going to do this. Um, well, first, 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 I want to say this. I don't think that the, I I don't think the, the biggest thing with yours is I get that it's a dream matchup. Um, I want it too. I, I can't see a scenario. Where we're going to get it. That's my problem is like, yeah, like the, this one. I can see us getting heat box pretty easy. Mm. This one, the Lakers odds of getting up to a three spot are pretty much nil. They might fall to six. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's the dream scenario is like Clippers beat Lakers first round. And the minute that we get that matchup, are we all agreed that we're going in on the Clippers title chances? Cause like I'm, pro- I I'm probably betting the Clippers title odds at that point. Like yeah. I'm probably betting Clipper. I'm betting that. And I'm adding to my Clippers nets matchup position because the Clippers are the only team, I think, that has a realistic shot at beating the Lakers. And I feel like everyone's dismissed it. I'm like, I have got a little bit, I'm like, I am doing the LeBron ah, JR thing, where I'm like, they didn't lose to the Lakers last year, guys. They lost to the Nuggets. Like they 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 had dominated the Lakers in two, two of the matchups. The Lakers tied the series later when the Clippers were resting a lot of guys and were coasting for the most part. Um, the Lakers were a really good team last year, but the Lakers were a really good team in the playoffs, specifically built around Anthony Davis hitting jump shots. I have no faith in that happening this year. Like, let me be clear. I have a lot on the Lakers winning the title. Like, I kept adding that. <laughs> I did that in preseason. I've added to it. I have a lot on the Lakers, and now I'm at. The, I'm finally at the point where I'm like, oh no, <laughs> like what? I'm, how do I how do I appropriately get? The numbers where I need to on this in order to get wh- where I want. Um, so
2: if the Jazz get the winner of Nuggets Mavericks in that situation, do you trust the Jazz to get past the Nuggets if they all have Jamal Murray? Raheem? I thank so. you. I, I do, I just
1: this Nuggets team. They're just, I mean, I love Jokic and I, I love Aaron Gordon, but it's just Jamal Murray gets so much in big spots for them and that's not replaceable. Um, and I, I know they think composite is the guy, but mm-hmm. it's, I don't it's think like do it. Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell might average 40.
3: Yeah. I think the only, the only question is like whether my, whether Michael Porter jr. Might average 45. Like that's really the kind of the question. Um, but I can see it. And so in that situation, if it's Mavericks, Nuggets, oh man, but even, even then, like, let's say the Mavericks get past Denver and it's Luka versus that drop coverage. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, this I is can, the problem with the I Jazz. It's just one. like, how, do, like in yeah. order for the, to get this choice matchup, they have to survive lesser teams beating them, and that's not really a strength of theirs. Um,
4: the other it could get there, though, is if the Jazz dropped to the two seed, and now yeah. it's just the two-three matchup.
3: That could, and that could definitely happen given the, the events that are on, on the slate, especially on Wednesday night and then Friday they play. Um, yeah. Okay.
2: For weeks, I told you guys that I didn't understand the Charlotte Hornets. For weeks, I didn't tell you. I told you that I didn't understand them. I am here to
3: tell you that my number one pick is a uh, unlikely, very unlikely, but still, this is my dream matchup. Four or five between the Miami Heat. And the Charlotte Hornets. So a couple of things here. The money will pour in on the heat in this series. Like you'd be able to bet the Hornets right up until buzzer and get the, probably the best price. Um, a tip and tip that is because the money would pour in on the heat. Right. Oh, I'm taking Jimmy Butler. I'm taking Eric Spolster. I'm taking Bam Adebayo. of bio. Like, the Charlotte Hornets team, good story, whatever. I'm doing to digging on this, on this story that I've been talking to you guys about in our meetings for a while now. And I've mentioned this in the podcast before, that the Hornets are the number two team in running switch across the entire NBA. They're also seventh in, in defense allowed. Do you want to know another interesting nugget? They're also the team that uses zone the third most of any team they use the, they use zone defense quite a bit. Uh, Here's the more interesting thing. Let's everyone knows like that's going to be the, the heat's like that's the heat's real wrench that they throw at people. Right. It's like, okay, we're going to go zone and now you can't shoot like the Celtics fell apart versus it. Charlotte is the third best team league wide in points per possession versus zone defense. They absolutely tear it to pieces. So you have a high-volume Hornets t- three-point team in Charlotte. You have Gordon Hayward as an individual playmaker and a guy that can counter Butler. I'm a, I would be betting this. I would be betting Hornets on the series line. I would be betting Hornets number of wins. I would be betting the differential. Uh, I would be betting Hornets in six. Like, I would be betting that matchup all the way across the board. Um, and everyone is just going to wind up going like, yeah, but what about the talent? And the, the real key here, I think, is that, one, coaching matters a ton. And two, individual talent, I think, matters more versus individual defensive matchups, right? The Heat are going to switch a lot. But in actuality, the Hornets are well-built to be able to punish that because there's two ways to counter a switch. The big slips to the basket. Or the big pops. Because in both situations, if you're switching, you've got this momentary di- 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 moment. You've got this one moment where off of the pick, the big has separation. Either going to the basket or popping outside. And so they can pop with P.J. Washington and do that all day. They can, and P.J. Washington is, it can hit from outside. Like They have enough three-pointers and they have enough dribble-drive attacks. I love this matchup. I think the Charlotte Hornets are my number one matchup advantage, and I can't believe it's over the Heat, but I'm kind of with you, Brandon, on this. I know Raheem's not going to argue because he's just like, fade the Heat no matter who it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not going to argue that.
4: I'm just trying to imagine how the Hornets have made it to the 4-5 or five matchup, and I'm also trying to imagine exactly which way you would like Terry Rozier to destroy your money. Like, do you prefer <laughs> burning or just cutting it up? Or I'm trying to figure it out. Which way you like best?
3: And here's what's crazy. You say, like, you know, how are the Hornets going to get to the 4-5? Um, it's pretty simple. The uh, boss, the New York Knicks are currently in the 5-seed. They're only two up on Charlotte. Uh, Hawks are only two up on Charlotte. And as I check the tiebreakers, uh, the Hornets have tiebreaker over the Atlanta Hawks, uh, and they have a chance to win it versus
2: the Knicks. So, um, they're they not- you're much the more and and half up. So, like it's do what? I,
4: I think Charlotte, I have Charlotte as the eighth seed and three and a half back from the Knicks and Hawks right now.
3: Uh, uh, I updated it last night. Maybe I didn't update after the maybe the numbers weren't updated. Uh, they are three back. I will say that. They are three back. You're right. They are three back in the lost column. Um yeah, yeah. I think that's still winnable given the win rates of both teams. Like, do you trust the Hawks to to keep winning? Like the Hawks are probably do. What's going to be really funny is when uh, Trey Young comes back and they struggle. That's going to be really funny. That's, that's, that's going to be yeah. a, an amusing twist. That's going to make for all sorts of fun. narratives. Um, all right, Brandon, what's your second pick?
4: So interestingly enough, uh, I'm going to make it three out of four picks involving the same team for us. And I'm going back to that same four or five matchup. And basically what I want out of the East four or five to me, I, I don't think the Hornets have a strong chance. I don't really consider them here. I think that the 4-5 matchup is between Celtics, Heat, Knicks, and Hawks. Yeah. And What I want is literally any matchup other than Knicks and Hawks because I want to take either Boston or Miami over either New York or Atlanta. And whatever matchup we get in that 4-5, in that even though we just railed on the Heat for the last 15 minutes, I would take the Heat confidently over the Knicks or Hawks. I would take the Celtics even more confidently. I would especially want the Knicks to be there just because I'm going to get much better odds, a much better line because of the public side on the Knicks. It just comes down to me on this one to regular season teams versus playoff teams. And the Celtics and the Heat, we've seen them in the playoffs. We know that they know how to elevate their style of play. We know that they're adaptable, that they have a lot of different ways to to play. We've seen Tibbs teams in the playoffs and we know that all the things I just said are never true of Tibbs teams in the playoffs. I think we're all waiting for the Hawks to get to the playoffs and, and, and not (laughs) do stuff. And uh, also we're going to have either Brad Stevens or Eric Sproulstra against either Tibbs or McMillan. In that case, that's a pretty huge disadvantage. So I just want either, either the Celtics or the Heat to get up to the five seed or four, whatever. I don't care if they're home court or not. I want to bat
2: one of them against the Knicks or the Hawks. The Hawks, I think, are really interesting, right? Because um, Trey Young, John Collins, no playoff experience. None. You've got Capella
3: that's played in big games and played well for the most part. You've got a coach that hasn't coached in the playoffs. And Pierce, you've got. Uh, I'm sorry, McMillan. Boom, uh, McMillan has that. I'm sorry, I just remembered that McPierce is gone. Uh McMillan is coaching the playoffs, so you do have that. And I will say that, like McMillan's done pretty well in the playoffs throughout his time. Like he was good in Portland, he was good in Indiana, so that's something to consider. Um, you got guys like Gallo and Bogdanovich, I guess to a certain degree, maybe. But are we getting there yet? We're talking ourselves into them yet? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's the thing. Is like. I don't know what to expect, but the real question is going to be: What if it's Hawks Knicks? Like Hawks Knicks is going to be really fascinating because I don't trust either of those teams in that spot. Like that's right. going to be great. That's is yeah. Like yeah. Whoever whoever wins the four or five, if it's Hawks Knicks, I'd probably bet net sweep there next second yeah. second round. I was going to say,
4: looking at at. at At the East right now, I think we're underrating. We've talked about how important it is to get the one seed. But now that the four or five is looking most likely to be Knicks Hawks, that one seed is way more important than ever. Like, they're going to get to play. First of all, in the East, again, I'm not a believer in the Hornets. So I think that there's seven teams in the East. There's not an eighth team. Maybe the Hornets are the eighth team. Maybe it's the Pacers, Wizards, Bulls, whatever. The one seed gets to play that team because I'm assuming that the Celtics or Heat is the seventh seed in the scenario. So that's already like a sweep in the first round. Then the one seed probably gets to play the Knicks or the Hawks. Meanwhile, the team that didn't get the one seed fell to two has to face Boston or Miami in the first round, which is a worse matchup than the one seed has in either of the first two rounds. And then they have to play Milwaukee in the second round. Like The one seed is huge. And I didn't realize Brooklyn has pulled out ahead that Philly... Four game losing streak is, is really trouble right now.
1: I got to put, I mean, are we sure? Because at this point, the Celtics or the heat could fall to the AFC. Yeah. And, could. I, and I, but, I, think, I think that's being underrated right now because both of those teams are just playing so poor that it would not surprise me if the Hornets, you know, pass either one of those teams.
4: Yeah, sure. But are the Hornets going to beat one of those teams in that first play in? Because I'm not picking them to beat them. You know, I don't really care if they finish as seven or eight in the regular season standings because I'm still going to pick. Miami or, I mean, I put that on oh, my yeah. list. Oh, yeah. I forgot Miami or Boston, first game.
1: Yeah, that just beats game, them anyways
4: yeah. and gets the seventh seed.
1: Yeah, that's true.
3: But when my Hornets get the sixth seed and then give the, <laughs> the Sixers a run for their money, you're going to be.
4: Don't, don't you like owe money to the Hornets at this point of the season?
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, they actually, they, they're they taking a lean out in my house at this point, And it's not, <laughs> not I'm, I thank you not to mention it again. Raheem, what's your second pick?
1: I'm going back. I'm going back to L.A. Um, Ooh. I'm, I'm all. I'm, I'm going with the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers. I want that matchup. I think mm. the Clippers have the edge. Ooh. I know it sounds crazy, Ooh. but we spoke about it earlier. The Clippers are the only team who could beat the Lakers. This is the only team, other than the Brooklyn Nets, in which they'll be an underdog. I've been speaking about how high I'm in, how high I am on the Clippers. So it's just like that's the matchup. I mean. The Lakers, they struggle to shoot the three. They're facing a Clippers team who's the number one three-point shooting um, team in the league. They don't have those deficiencies they had last year. One of the reasons why I was hoping the Lakers played the Clippers last year because, you know, I watched that March 8th matchup, you know, on on Sunday night, on Sunday um, afternoon, NBA basketball. And LeBron basically picked Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell apart. That doesn't exist this year. Um, And, you know, Kawhi and, and PGA always get up for LeBron. You know, they're likely to be underdogs. I'm going to get, you know, plus money with
2: a team who might be the better team. Now, they're going to struggle inside with Anthony Davis, but I'll give up two for three any day. This is a really tough one. This is a hot, like, picking up second is is a lot of confidence in it. Like, you
3: are going to get, I will say this, you're going to get a great price on it. Right, because like the, the Lakers are a public team and every LA fan is going to want to bet that bets is going to want to bet on them because the Clippers are a little brother and like the narrative betting in the series will be nuts, right? Um, I will say the Sharps are pretty on top of this. Like last year, I asked them <clears throat> who it would be. Th- this, is an, this is one of the most fascinating things I found last year. Before the bubble started, I asked bookmakers... If it's Lakers, Clippers, and there are fans in LA, what would you make it? And the series
2: price was minus, I believe, 175 Lakers. I asked them on neutral court who it would be.
3: And they said, I oh, know it's flipped. Uh, it was minus 125 Lakers. And then in the bubble, they said on neutral court with no fans, it would be Clippers minus 175. So they're basically saying that in every home game, the Clippers are playing a road game in the series, which is accurate. And like, that's how they, those lines are going to be marked as if the Clippers are playing a road game versus the Lakers in their own building. That's a rough beat. But I think it also shows you like the books think the Clippers are better. Like the books, obviously think the Clippers are better because they have them on neutral court, but they do think that the home court advantage has to be, to be accounted for um yeah i think it also shows you if you think that if if you believe the books think that the clippers were better last year which they do and we think the clippers are better this year because they don't have harrell which i think we do um the question then becomes what the books are going to make this number like i honestly wonder if this year they would just make it a pick them and be like i i honestly wonder if they're just going to make it a pick em and let the market decide like Let's make it a pick them yeah. and see where the money comes in. Because I think the books know the Clippers are should be the favorite, but they can't make them the favorite. So like the question mm-hmm. of what that line is going to be, I think is, is really interesting. Like uh, what both the game one line and the series price, I think is really interesting in that, in that situation. How strong would you go? Would you take like the Clippers to win, you know, two and a half game differential, which would be like, you know, four, one, or would you go like,
1: no, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't do that. that let's that, say, let's say, say well, just, I, I would
3: imagine the differential is probably going to be one, one and a half. Cause everything is set for mm. it's, it's well, it's probably gonna be two and a half, right? It's probably gonna be two and a half. Cause they're just going to assume most series are six. Yeah. Where would you go on that?
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch the differential. I just want to, I want to play the series straight up. You
2: just play much series much
1: straight up.
4: What, what well, number? The thing too is, if if the clippers are treated as all as the road team then that gives raheem a chance to bet clippers as an underdog all 7 games potentially like whatever mm-hmm. the game one line is with the lakers opening favored raheem gets to bet them on a money line a money line dog all 7 games if he needs to
2: right
3: that's a good point raheem uh what's what's a number you wouldn't take the clippers at in the series
2: um if they were laying, if
1: they were laying like you know minus one twenty, I wouldn't take it because really? I feel like it would be priced appropriately. Yeah, it, 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 would, it would just pretty much be priced appropriately. I'm hoping to get. Uh, I'm a Lakers fan. I don't think people realize that I'm a Lakers fan and Sixers fan. I'm hoping to. There's get no
3: such thing. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> Shoes. You can't be a Lakers fan and a Sixers fan. You can't be a fan of the guy that stepped over Tyloo and a fan of the team that Tyloo was playing for when the
1: Ivers had stepped over him. You can't do that.
3: It's not allowed.
1: <laughs> Pick a side. I can't. Kobe and Kobe and AI are my favorites, but I just um for me, I just I can't lay, I can't lay, you know, juice with the with the Clippers. It, it's just at that point, it's priced appropriately. And I want to get some of that Lakers fandom. You know, pushing this line and giving me a little bit of an edge. Okay.
4: Who, who did you root for in the Sixers Lakers finals? And who would you root for this year?
1: Um, I rooted for Kobe and them back then. Um, I, would, I would probably root for the Sixers now.
4: Unacceptable. You, at <laughs> least pick the same team for both times.
1: <laughs> it's hard.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's why you have to have one team. If you have to have two teams, pick the Timberwolves and the Bulls because they're terrible and will never play meaningful basketball games. <laughs> <yet. laughs>
3: All right, so mine is going to be pretty obvious, second round. Uh, I it's the, Let's imagine that the Blazers get out of the, the play-in tournament and they make it into the, the sweet six spot that the Mavericks currently occupy. Um, big win last night for the Mavericks versus the Warriors to help them with that cause. Mm-hmm. Let's say that the, the, the Blazers wind up back in six, and let's say that the Clippers... Managed to get over the Suns to the two, and I've got Suns Blazers. I want the, I I honestly I want the Suns in that spot, and the Suns will be heavy favorites. We saw that last year where every it was really funny last year where everyone was like, "This is the most dangerous eight seed we've ever te- seen." It's Dame time, and the books were like, "Um, we will not give you a good price on Lakers sweep because this is going to be ugly." Like. The books were not falling for it. What I will take though is I will take uh, Suns point differential or game win differential. Like I will play that. Like I'll take or I'll take the under on um, Blazers wins if it's over under one and a half. I will take the under on that. I think the Suns destroy them. Uh, Suns have been great versus teams like the Blazers. They've been great. Uh, They can. The best thing about the the Suns is. They can play Saric at five, play small ball, switch everything, and that causes disruptions. Aiden is actually not bad playing at the level of the screen. He can put a little pressure on ball handlers. He's a little bit underrated there, and that's what you honestly need is you need to be able to play two on ball. They can also basically just, if you're anticipating it, this is what a lot of teams do, is you can switch it and like, all right, we're going to play Crowder at four. And instead of him playing Covington – we're going to have him play Nurkic and then we're going to have, and that way, if they run that pick and roll, we're just going to put pressure on it that way. And that gives you somebody who's faster and your weak side defense is Aiton. And then Ayton's only really, and the pressure point there is Covington's left open. And you basically say, if Robert Covington hits six threes against us, have at it Portland. And like, that's a pretty sound strategy versus what Portland does. So um, I just don't think the, I was just going through this yesterday. There's no way for the Portland Trailblazers to, to build a good defense. I was thinking about this on Twitter yesterday. I was just like, there's no way you, you can't. They tried, they tried playing two at the level of the screen and pick and roll early in the season. That didn't work. They're one of the worst teams in zone coverage this, this year. Nothing works for Portland. And you're like, well, yeah, they have, they have bad defensive players, but they've added all these dudes through the years. They added Harkless and, and Aminu. Nope. That didn't work. They added Covington. Nope, no go. Like, no matter what, their defense is just bad. You can't build a good defense when you have Nurkic and, and Lillard. You just can't. Like, that combination of players, you cannot build a scheme to work around with. Um, like, your, your ideal situation is drop, and Dame's not good for drop because he can't get over screens. I feel like Book uh, and CP3 would just absolutely tear them up. That's going to be a spot where I want the Blazers there because I feel like people are going to be like, hey, the Blazers got out of the play-in. They're they're through their roughest times. I'm taking Dame time versus this inexperienced Phoenix team. And I'm I'm basically going to play against the Blazers' playoff hopes there.
0: This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell, here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, Just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your Action App. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Now, back to the show.
3: All right, Brandon, final pick. What's your third pick of our, of our draft of series we want to bet on?
0: Yeah, so my
4: last pick, I'm looking at, I assume what would be the Eastern Conference Finals, and I just want the Nets over the Sixers. I just don't think that those two teams are in the same stratosphere. I've been really? Nets, not Sixers, all season. I'm assuming health here, obviously. I'm assuming that we're actually seeing Harden and Kyrie and Durant out there together. And I know I'm not giving enough credit to Philadelphia. I know that I need to probably respect Tobias Harris and Seth Curry a little bit more. I just look at that series and I see three superstar score versus one. And I don't know what you're supposed to do about three versus one. And Ben Simmons is like, you maybe make that a 1.5. We want to count Tobias Harris for something. I'm not counting Ben Simmons toward that. And I just think, Philadelphia's whole thing is that they're They have an elite defensive shot profile and I don't think that matters against Brooklyn. It's free And Harden and Durant, they're going to get their shots. They're going to make the hard shots. Anyways. Um, I think if I'm Brooklyn, I'm just basically saying, okay, go ahead and try to beat us by yourself. We're going to not follow you as best as we can. We're going to just let you do as much as you can and we have Durant and Harden and Kyrie. So you are going to outscore you and you can't keep up with you don't have the weapons, you don't have the juice. And I don't know if I'm confident in Nash and Kyrie and the other Brooklyn coaches to get there, but you know the big question in this series is so who defends Joel Embiid? My question is who cares? I want to go small, put put Durant at center, put, you know, put Jeff Green whatever. And if they want to just keep hosting up and be it all game, that's great. What are you going to do on defense now? And I know we can't do that for 48 minutes because we can't bang and we can't can't live with that physicality for two weeks of it. But what is Philadelphia going to do on defense when suddenly we're just spaced out on the floor and Harden is picking things apart and KD and Kyrie are doing their thing? I just, all season long, I don't think that the best version of these teams have been in the same universe as each other. And I know that the Nets are going to be favored here. I don't care. I just want the Nets anyways. I just – I can't envision what this scenario is where Philadelphia beats healthy Nets team four times out of seven.
1: What if – what if the Nets are this year's version of the Clippers?
4: Oh, absolutely. That, that's been the, the fear with them all year. We, we just didn't see them all year. We haven't seen them gel. And what if the shots just don't fall? That's the what if, right?
3: Yeah. I, I think it's a big what if. But the difference though is like if the Nets get to the Eastern Conference Finals, you're one step away. Right. Like a big reason the Clippers lost last year is because they didn't take the Nuggets seriously. And like I knew they yeah. wouldn't. That's why I bet right. the Nuggets. Like they wouldn't they they did not take them seriously. They went down da- they went down when the, the when the Nuggets tied it three three. Like at three two, Paul George was still like, We're fine, we're not worried, whatever. We're still in control. Three three. They were like, "We're fine. We're still in control." Whatever. Like, you have to. You have to have appropriate fear. I don't think the Nets have appropriate fear. I'll say that. But I think they would have appropriate fear of the Sixers. That's the problem. Is like, now we'll say that this is the biggest
2: thing that I that I disagree with you on, Brandon. When I want to think through it schematically. Okay. Um, the Clippers play
3: in pick and roll a version of ice Um, it's they drop the big, but they force everything away from the side to the sides. They don't want, they don't want you in the middle because then you can pass to either side. The reason you play drop is it allows your, your guys to stay home on shooters, which I think that's their eighth in three point attempts per hundred possessions allowed. They allow the eighth fewest. That's really good. If you're playing the nets, right? Like you want to stay home and not allow Joe Harris to absolutely rip you apart. So like this is like a, 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 the big thing is the stars are not even often the difference the difference maker the problem is that the stars put so much pressure on you that they break your defensive scheme and that's when the other guys kill you the sixers entire scheme is built to not do that that they're basically like we're going to give you this okay if you want to try and beat us one on like one versus 5 Go at it. Now, the Nets have the dudes to do that. And the other thing that's key here is the Nets won't run pick and roll all that much. But, but if you're telling me that I'm running against a heavy ISO team and I have to find a team full of defensive personnel to be able to contain that, it is 100% the Sixers. Harris has been good this year. Like, he's really gotten better the last couple of years. Ben Simmons is elite. Tyvel's elite they have all these guys that are elite defensively on the perimeter. that can guard Kyrie. And, and like, you're not guarding Kyrie and Harden and shutting them down. What you're basically trying to do is you're just trying to force them to the rim and trusting in beads rim protection. Okay. They'll have all the mid range stuff they want. They'll be able to play versus that drop. Kyrie comes off mid range jumper. Kyrie comes off mid range jumper. Kyrie comes off, she like does a little hesitation move insane finish at the rim oh Kyrie Irving so skilled um all of these things they'll absolutely have that but you're just trying to drag them down enough and your switch your switch problem I think does run into this issue because you're like go off Embiid you're not gonna be able to score enough no but you will foul out Jeff Green and then you'll foul out DeAndre Jordan and then you'll foul out Claxton and now you're having to play KD at five and now KD's picking up fouls that's Like, that's the pressure point, is Embiid's ability to draw fouls in there. Now, they'll send doubles, and that will disrupt things. And it's going to be big on – but here's a a big thing with the the doubles. You have to have great defensive communication, which means you need to have chemistry, which means you need to have actually played together, which the Nets haven't. So, uh, I can't go with you on that. I have to really think about it and
2: see how both teams are playing. Like, I think that matchup is going to be absolutely fascinating. Yeah, you know the funny thing is, this yeah. was
1: actually my pick, but in reverse. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, that's funny. <laughs> because I look at it like this: the Nets are going to be huge favorites to anybody, and if there's anybody who's gonna who's gonna have value against the Nets, Nets is going to be the Sixers who can dominate inside. You know, I watched last night's Raptors game. I think the Raptors. What did they do last night? Um, they had an offensive rebound rate of like thirty. Like they they really struggled with Siakam and OG Ananobi and you know um, who was the other guy out there last night? Um, um, Birch. Like they really struggled. Like Birch had fourteen rebounds. So it's like I'm expecting, you know, Embiid and to, like Tobias Harrison is going to get whatever he wants in the mid range, whatever he wants. Um, Embiid is going to dominate in the mid range. Like I just think the Nets are too small and. They're relying on three guys well, two who are really injury-prone. I think, for me, the biggest problem I actually have with the matchup is I think the Sixers don't have anybody to guard to defend smaller guards. Like, smaller guards have always gone off against the Sixers. So I'm worried about Kyrie, actually, more than I'm worried about Durant because I think they have two guys in um, Ben Simmons and um, Tobias Harris so they can throw at Durant and make it tough on him and Durant's going to be expected to, you know, guard on the other end. If you put him at center and you put him at power forward, he's got to bang around. And if you bang him around in a in a five, six, seven-game series, those shots may not fall at the end of the series. So I think this is this is one of those series where if you can get the Sixers plus one-and-a-half or something like that, plus two-and-a-half, I think you got a good bet.
3: Have we changed your mind, Brandon? Or are you still just like, nope, they have Kyrie and KD and they have the Sixers? <laughs> so,
4: Here's 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 where I disagree with what you just said, Raheem. You just went through a whole like three-minute thing about why the Sixers are going to beat the Nets, and I'm pretty sure you failed to mention in the entire three minutes James Harden, who is literally why this team is not the Clippers, because your whole thing with the Clippers, why it didn't work last year, is that when the shots didn't fall, they didn't have a backup plan. They didn't have a point guard who could just go create and break down the defense and and find teammates. What did we just watch James Harden do for like three months? He was the best non-Jokic player in the league and maybe almost as good as him. He was in our MVP conversation. I convinced you guys that we actually had to talk about him. That's how good he was. And that's what they have. It's not just jump shooters. It's James Harden doing the things that he's really good at, not shooting 38% in the playoffs because he now has teammates to do the better shots for him, he's creating those for them. And I, and I know, I know the Sixers have really good defenders. They're going to throw Simmons. They're going to throw Tybel. Like it's not going to be easy, but they only have so many of those guys. And now that, you know, now that Matisse Tybel is out there defending someone now he's got to do something on the other end of the court too. And I don't know that you're right, uh, Matt, you're right. That if there is a team to defend this version of ISO ball sort of nets team, it has to be the Sixers. They have those guys. That's I love watching the team because of that. Um, I just at the end of the day, I feel like I think that a team is going to have to, in some ways, beat the Nets at their own game and outscore them. I don't see a team like pulling. I don't see a team playing the Nets and suddenly we're getting like 99, 96 games. Like the Nets just aren't scoring 99 points in a game if those three guys are out there. I think you're going to have to switch up your style and score enough points and beat them 125 to 120 or whatever. And I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I can see Philadelphia scoring in the 120s or whatever it takes four times to get there, even against the Brooklyn defense.
1: See, I can, here's the thing. I can easily see the Nets facing adversity for the first time all year, you know, them going down 2-1. And for me, if I have Philadelphia plus money, all I need is for them to take a series lead and then I can come back on the other side. So it's just like, that's something I do frequently. Yeah. And I, I could see that this could be the series where that actually happens because the Nets are going to struggle. They're going to have some moments where Philadelphia is going to get so many offensive rebounds. They're just going to gonna have 15 more possessions or something like that. Kevin Durant's going to get in foul trouble. James Harden. He's recovering from a hamstring injury. They say he's going to miss the first round of the playoffs possibly. Like, we, we just don't know. I just think there's so much uncertainty, and we know he's going to – we know that the Nets are going to be a favorite. You're going to get a good price on the Sixers.
4: Yeah, but you know what's even better than putting a bunch of money on Philly and then hedging by playing the other side? Just not losing any money on Philly. Just winning money off of Brooklyn. That's even better.
3: But it's not – it doesn't maximize your, your hedge doesn't maximize your edge. And the other thing I would say is um, I, my final point here is um, you went through this entire thing and you're like, and you forgot about James Harden as if that's supposed to convince me that <laughs> in the playoffs that's a reason <laughs> to back them. Like, look, look we all agree yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: James Harden has been good in the playoffs. He's had bad moments. He's been good overall.
3: Uh, look, I have devoted more time in my career to, to, to James Harden than anybody else. Right? Like LeBron's a close second in terms of the amount of time I've spent doing film work and, and, writing and asking questions and all these types of things. Okay. James Harden is the, is the, number one guy I've spent more time on than anybody. Even like everybody's like, you know, the Denver stuff. I'm like, no, nah, I've, I've done a lot on Jokic. I haven't done nearly as much on Jokic as I have on Harden. <laughs> Harden specifically has a, like there, there are things that are intangible you have to account for when you're betting. And there is absolutely a problem that when Harden faces, when things get tough, Harden has a real problem. Like he does not have the mental fortitude to keep going at you when it's so difficult. And that's like, this is not that he's like mentally soft or any of these other like prerogatives. I am telling you, it is a trend in which I think that his specific performance, he gets frustrated trying to solve the problem because in the regular season, the problem is very easy. And when the problem gets harder to solve, I think he struggles. And you can say like, he's not going to have to do that because of Kyrie and KD, And I think that's a good point. Right. But like Raheem will tell you all about KD's foibles in the playoffs and how he hasn't stepped up enough, which is a little bit insane. Um, Harden absolutely has those. <laughs> and then like, look, I'm just going to be real honest with you. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving hit a big shot in game six, had a really good big game or in, in game seven, had a really big game in game six and game five. I've never been impressed with Kyrie Irving's playoff performance outside of hitting like a big shot and then. Game five and game mm-hmm. six of 2016. Like, I've never... Yeah, he had, he had right.
1: game five against the Celtics um, in 2018. But other than that, I agree with you. Um, I think what Harden is that he he's so dependent on fouls and I call it tricknology or trickology <laughs> um, in the regular season where he's just trying to trick and fool referees into, you know, giving him calls that when it comes to tough playoff defense, he doesn't know how to handle it when, you know, refs swallow their whistle. Against Philly... You know, coming back off a hamstring injury, that's that's a tough spot.
4: So we don't want to bet on the player that is drawing a ton of fouls and getting cheap fouls and lots of trips to the free throw line that it might not keep up. So Joel Embiid, that's what we're talking
1: about?
0: Brandon Anderson is a hater.
1: It's a little different with Embiid because <laughs> he actually kind of gets – no, I'm just saying, he actually gets those calls in the playoffs. Like, we've seen Harden yeah, struggle. For like, the ball.
4: first round, we've never seen him actually play a meaningful playoffs. So. We, we have. have we, I
1: mean, play. like, they – I mean, honestly, if he doesn't get sick against the Raptors, I think he, he was sick in, in game five. They they win that series.
3: But the problem is, like, you, uh, <laughs> Raheem, the, the trip there is, like, you can't feel you can't feel good he's gonna play the whole series either.
1: That is true. And but then obviously, I mean, back then yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: they didn't have a, a good backup. They had Greg it, Monroe.
3: It's always something. <laughs> like it's always something. It is. So all right. My last one yeah. is um I'm I'm going against Raheem's pro clippers environment. I yes. want the Suns versus the Clippers.
4: Yes. That was ah. almost my other last pick also. That was now, next on my board.
3: I don't, I don't think I'm taking the series price.
2: I think I'm probably taking either differential or over games one. Um, so a lot of it is uh, we, I got to have the Suns fully healthy.
3: If I don't have Saric, I'm out. Okay. If I don't have Crowder, mm-hmm. I'm out. That's it. If those guys get hurt mid-series, I'm going the other way. Mm -hmm. the Clippers are still playing drop because they still play Zubach. Like, they're still playing that. They are playing some stuff a little bit more. Mm -hmm. They switch a lot, right? Especially when Zubach is not on the floor. But the Suns, I think, are pretty confident being able to beat a switch. Like, CP3, the biggest thing with switch is, like, you got to be able to break down dudes off the dribble, and you got to have somebody that can slip. DeAndre Ayton can slip, and Paul will find him. So if they try that switch, Aiden's going to eat him. Like, he's just going to eat him up. He's going he's gonna to be just, like, Aiden will have a monster game. Meanwhile, if it gets into a point, point where it's like, look, we're just, you know, we can't contain. We got to be able to switch more on the Clippers. The Suns can go the other way, and they can now, like, the counter here is like the Clippers brought in a Baca almost specifically for this purpose, right? Is like put a Baca at five and mm-hmm. then switch everything. But I feel better about Sarich and Crowder guarding PG and Kawhi possession after possession with some help, with some help, than I do Serge Ibaka after an injury-plagued season trying to guard CP3 on the perimeter. Mm. Um, I like the Suns' makeup. I think that they have a very us-against-the-world mentality. Uh, I think they have a very nobody believes in us, which I always do like. Like, these are narrative things. I think there's yeah. narrative stuff that you can definitely bet on. Like, this stuff still plays out in sports. It is good to be the team that yeah. everybody dismisses. That's where you want to be. You never want to be the team that everybody's like, oh, you're going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. But no, <laughs> yeah. every, no, there's no reason to worry. Brandon Anderson says you're going you're gonna to beat the Sixers. It's fine. And Everything's CP3, great. You don't want to be CP,
1: in that If fine. CP3 beat the Clippers, like, that would be the all-time, like, one of the best stories ever. Huge narrative, right?
3: Like massive. This is the whole thing with the Clippers is I still don't see enough evidence that they play with enough of an edge. Mm-hmm. Like they're just basically trying to be like, Yeah, we're good. We're gonna beat you. We're we're really good. You gotta you gotta have a little bit of a hunter mentality. You gotta you gotta like the playoffs are hard. I'm sorry. The playoffs are really hard. And I still don't see enough leadership from Kawhi Leonard. I think PG has been fantastic. That's one reason like I'm a little bit like, I don't know, because PG he's a problem this year. Mm-hmm. But it's enough to where like, every, like, I feel like the books are going to have to make the Clippers heavy favorites even – even here's the other thing. Very good chance Suns have home court advantage in that series with fans. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I like the Clippers a lot. I like the Suns a lot versus the Clippers in that, in that matchup. <laughs>
4: Yeah, that like I said, that that was my other pick uh, in our Slack last night. Raheem said that he had one that he really liked, and I knew it had to be something with the Clippers because it's been something with the Clippers for weeks now. <laughs> and and I was I was out on a walk when I saw that, and I was just typing Suns Clippers as one of my picks possibly into the into my little list. I, I like Michael Bridges, what he would be able to do against PG or Kawhi. Yeah, um, I kind of like Aiton in the mm-hmm. series, like you said. The narrative thing, I think, is huge. The Clippers have everything to lose. Like, they, they have everything to lose. The, the, they're, they're free agents at the end of the season, right? Kawhi and PG both, and they would have back-to-back huge chokes in the playoffs that they'd have to deal with and decide, what are we going to do? Uh, are we staying? Wait, one of, did one of them sign? Did they sign on now? I forget.
2: They let PG um, extended. But, yeah, yeah, PG sign.
1: Kawhi is yeah, a player so, option.
4: But either way, it's just it's isn't everything to lose versus everything to win thing. And I agree too. I'm not saying that he is the best player in the series, but the player that I would trust most in that series is Chris Paul. I would trust him and I like the matchup a lot for him. And yeah, I was trying to decide too. like, the reason I didn't pick it is because I'm like, am I really picking that series win? I don't know if I'm picking the series win but I would definitely be betting a lot of the Suns games
1: at the least. I think
3: Raheem wants our money. That's the look on his face. is He wants our money.
2: <laughs> no, you know good.
1: what? I mean, I, I'm, I'm really thinking about it because you, you guys know how much I love the Suns this year. So I'm just, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm picking one brother over the other. Here's a real question. <laughs>
3: Here's a real question. Um, if you ask me who's the third guy for the Suns in the series, all right, book and CP three, who's the third yeah. guy? I guess say it might be Aiden. It might be Sarich. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might mm-hmm. be Cam Johnson, honestly. He's been Crowder. great. It might be Crowder. Yeah. It might be Bridges. Right now Crowder. If you're the Clippers, who's the third guy?
4: Right. That's what I was going to say. It's
1: probably Morris. Reggie Jackson.
3: Reggie Jackson. Is,
1: is, 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 it, it ain't Reggie Jackson. It's, it's <laughs> probably if, Morris. I will tell you this. Me, if
3: you, if you tell me that the, the key to the series is Marcus Morris, I am inherently going to put money against you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
3: saying. I mean, like it's got to be him or Ibaka. Mar- Marcus Morris somehow got punked by Paul Millsap last year. Like, yeah, that was strange. Pu- like, Paul's thirty-five and not necessarily the "I'm gonna get mad" type of dude, and he was
1: mad. This 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 breaks my heart as a Philly guy. It <laughs> breaks my heart. All right, this has I been fun. I that. love these
3: exercises that we do. We'll have another one next week. Before we move on here, we want to show some love to our sponsor, Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing has been making some of the most flavorful beers money can buy. Beers that celebrate the innovation of great craft beer, but without the alcohol. So if you want to take it easy on the booze and keep your gambling what's about you, Athletic Brewing's award-winning beers are a great option. If you want to support this show, head to athleticbrewing.com. Check out their selection and place an order using code ACTION15. This gets new customers 15% off their first order. And if you order two or more six packs, shipping is always free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use the code ACTION15 on that first order and enjoy great taste while keeping your gambling edge. Playoffs are getting closer. Make sure to check out all of our stuff on Action Network. Before (laughs) we go, we're going to go through our Back to the Future. This is where we talk about futures that we wish that we had made earlier in the season.
1: Back to the future.
3: Brandon, I hear that you got one for us.
4: Yeah, I wish that I had uh, put some money on Tom Thibodeau for coach of the year while it was still available. I don't even see it up at BetMGM anymore, our podcast sponsor. I haven't seen it up at other books. I don't know if it's out there. It's bounced around uh, a week or two ago when I was looking at it and eyeballing it, it was at about plus 500 at BetMGM. And I think we saw it at 1100 at other books at the time. And I've since have seen it drop closer, not quite to even odds, but to to me, we've been we've decided months ago that Quinn Snyder was gonna win coach of the year. We just decided the Jazz were so good, they won 20 out of 21 games. And we're like, okay, give all the Jazz, all the we're done. Clarkson, you win. Gobert, you win. Quinn Snyder, you win. It's how we do awards. We just we're like, okay, back to MVP. The one that we want to talk about. Let's talk about that one. The jazz, you get all the other ones. And now, the, you know, it's getting closer. The, the one seed race is up for grabs. And I feel like everyone's just kind of defaulted to, okay, well, the winner of coach of the year is just whoever wins the one seed. We'll give it to Quinn and we'll give it to Monty. And, and I think both those guys have done a great job this year and been very deserving. I also think that Utah and Phoenix, of all the teams in the West, have been by far the healthiest and had, c- compared to the Clippers, compared to the Lakers, like, look, going into the year, people would have expected Lakers and Clippers to be at the top of the West. And then after that, people would have probably just figured Suns, Jazz, Nuggets are going to compete for those spots after that. That's basically the West we have left. It's just that the Clippers and Lakers slid down because they have the injuries. Nobody thought the Knicks were going to be the four seed. New York fans didn't even think the Knicks were going to be the four seed. Like the Knicks over under for the season was like 19 and a half wins or something. They passed their over under like like a month and a half ago the coach of the year, I think should be about the team that the coach that got the most out of his players. And we're going to give most improved to Julius Randle. We should, but nobody saw this coming from the Knicks. No one saw their defense holding up. We've talked about it on our podcast all year that it wasn't going to. um, I think, and and it's New York and it's like, we don't, nobody needs to tell the media to talk about New York and, and get excited about what's happening there. They just won nine in a row. They almost beat the Suns to get to 10 in a row. I think Thibodeau should be the coach of the year. And I think that he has a real chance to win it. I don't see anywhere to bet anymore. And I think the odds are gone.
3: Uh, he'll be third, Brandon. He's not going to win. Not enough wins. Not enough wins in the East. Like hmm. this nine game winning streak was really fun. You got you to like, you, you were betting at this moment in time versus like the Knicks lost to the Suns. The Knicks actually face like other teams that are good the rest of the way. Uh, they will settle down a little bit. And at that point, like, they just won't have enough wins. Versus, versus like, the Jazz have been, like, the most dominant team in the regular season, night in, night out, for months. For months. Like, winning the Western Conference this year is a big accomplishment, whether it's the Suns or the Jazz. It's honestly insane that the Suns have kept up with, with Utah. Like, I, I think that 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 this is why I wish we could bet on – over under placement on awards is because I I think there's going to be great value on Tibbs to get third. Like, I think, I think Tibbs probably does get third, but first and second are going to get first place. votes are going to get split between Monty and Snyder. And I don't feel like there's going to be like, but that's part of my case too, is
4: is what if those votes split between those two and you're going to have like the coastal bias thing.
3: Because here's the key. Here's the key. Even if you're right, that Tibbs gets all the second place votes on those ballots, which is, unlikely right like you would need Tibbs to get all the second place votes on on those ballots otherwise it it cancels out and the other thing is like Tibbs isn't going to get enough first place votes and the first place votes get a certain point allotment i think it's five points and that differential is just it's huge like that's why you very rarely see second place votes deciding an award they designed it that way because what they don't want is they don't want, like, especially like this year, they wouldn't want Jokic winning MVP over somebody like LeBron or Embiid just because he got second place votes. They don't want that. Like it's designed for the first place votes to decide the award. They do it. So that's like, Hey, look how many points you got. It's like a token, but it's not, yeah. it's not serious. Like I hear, I hear you. Um, and your case mm. is sound as always you have like, and like, I think if you have bet it once again, you can cash out at like, you know, you've doubled your value already without having to worry about who wins the award, but I don't think he can win.
4: Yeah. well, that's, at, at plus 1100 a week yeah. or two ago. I think yeah. that that I would, I would love to be holding that ticket right now. I'm, I'm not going to bet it, even if it opens back up, you know, I think, I think the, the narrative has switched enough that he's in the race enough now that the odds aren't valuable anymore for him to be able to win it anymore.
3: So I'm actually looking back at our um, preseason awards and, uh, the only one that really did well is uh, predictably Raheem, because Raheem's really, really sharp. Um, oh,
1: I did well? I'm trying to think. What did I have?
3: You had, you had two MVP bets, one on Luke at plus 400 and one on Embiid at plus 4,000. So, uh, like, even though, like, nobody could have really bet Jokic, I don't think, coming in, especially coming off of the conference finals appearance. Um, mm-hmm. And then you had six-man Jordan Clarkson plus 700, my man. Plus 700, (laughs) you got Clarkson. That's the one that I still, I look back and I'm, and um, despite Joe Engel's brilliant shooting performances, uh, I think like Clarkson's going to win. And that was a really obvious pick. Once you realize that Lou Williams is probably not part of the Clippers future, Mm -hmm. that had to have been like the move, like that needed to be the move. Um, Again, the Anthony Melton next year, I feel really confident in, but like I grabbed Norm who, like, because of the Raptors' insanity this year, wound up starting a bunch of games. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the one that I look at that and go, like, man, Clarkson was absolutely going to come off the bench, and he was absolutely going to get the points. I and mean, this is the biggest thing, is mm-hmm. at the end of the year, most, most voters aren't going to have looked at six Man of the Year. Like, the yeah. hardcore ones, like Zach Lowe, yeah. Most of the voters are going to have not thought a second about six Man, and only right now are going to look at it, and they're going to go on Basketball Reference, and they're going to sort by most <laughs> games played, with fewest games started and they're going to look at points and there's going to be Jordan Clarkson and he's going to win. Um, so that was like, that's mine. It was like, man, that was a really great pick that I wish I'd come up with. So that's my back to the future is Jordan Clarkson for six man of the year.
1: Mm. I, I, you know, what I think about that, um, rookie of the year was really, really difficult because we had no real summer league or anything like that. So it's just like, I'm, I'm super disappointed. I just didn't see the LaMelo. I didn't know he was going to be this good, but.
3: Justin I think, Fan did. Yeah, well, at least you didn't pick Obi Toppin over him. Unnecessary, Brandon. That was not necessary. <laughs> I, did, I did bet Brand. I did bet. I did. I did bet Justin Fan, Obi Toppin versus Lamelo Ball versus the field. If it was the field, that was wise. I was like, there's like a great chance somebody else wins, even if it's not Obi Toppin. And now it's definitely. But the good news is that uh, when Lamelo got to plus two hundred, I went at him at every book I have. Every book I have, I put in a bet at Lamelo Ball plus two hundred. So I'm still going to profit uh, way more. That's going to offset my my cost on having to pay Justin Fan on that, and it'll help out with having to pay off Raheem for Nets or Sixers. Was it which one was it?
1: Um, Sixers, Sixers Celtics. Sixers,
3: Celtics. Sixers, Celtics. With the Sixers obviously getting it together this year, I did not. Di- I guess. Doc Rivers is a a better coach than I thought he was. I thought he was a good coach. Did not think he was going to be this good this year. All right. Final segment. Thanks for nothing.
0: Good teams win and great teams cover. But some teams do neither. This is Thanks for Nothing.
2: And it's too late, baby. Now
1: it's too late. Though we really did try to make
3: it. Here's mine. Boston. Celtics. Okay, so I look at it last night, Tuesday night. The Thunder are one and nine against the spread second half, the last 10 games. Um, and you say, like, well, that's noise. No, it's not. They're tanking. Like, they hang in all these games, and then they tank. Like, they try and lose. They had turnovers, like, every 30 seconds last night, and all the Celtics had to do was not not outscrew up them. And somehow they managed to lose the game a brutal loss in their playoff chase to get out of the play in tournament. And they fail to cover versus the Oklahoma city thunder. I know that's supposed to be a dog, but Oh my God, how do you not outscore them in the like first half? Fine. You know what? The thunder are surprisingly plucky. The Celtics are actually pretty bad in the first half. I was like, I'm not going to touch that. But second half, all you do is outscore by four and a half in the second half. That's it. You could have lost the game still. Yeah. How do you do the Celtics?
1: It's such a terrible loss. Anybody else got another team that they're mad at this week? I'm, I'm, I'm going with the same team because the Celtics on Sunday, that was one of the most abysmal performances I've, I've ever seen. I mean, they allowed the Hornets to go out there and shoot almost 50% from three. Offensively, they just had a, a, a 107 offensive rating. I mean, this was like one of the few times where the Celtics have had almost – there was nobody on the injury um Report except for Robert Williams, everybody was out there, and they just went out there and got blown out. Um I mean, they dominated this Hornets team. I mean, they they beat the Hornets. I'd say seven out of the last eight times by average margin of twenty three and a half points, and they got smoked. So it's just like just as you think the Celtics are starting to get it together, they become that lackadaisical team that really just doesn't have a fight this year. I, I would have
3: warned me. you off on the 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 Hornets game. I would have warned you off on that one. I 0 oh, and for this season, the Celtics are in starts before four o'clock Eastern. 0 wow. oh, and four. they, they have, it started, I think the, they lost the Pistons, all these early starts. Like I've just, it's been, it's been part of my, my Sunday morning routines this year. Oftentimes is, you know, I wake up here on mountain time and I, you know, get myself a cup of coffee and I sit down and I go, Oh, the Celtics have an early game. And then they get trounced and I go, I gotta remember that. And then next time. I don't remember it at all and forget to bet against the Celtics (laughs) or four o'clock Eastern every single time. What's yours, Brandon?
4: So I got to just be a fan for a second and thanks for nothing. Poorly timed, completely meaningless, totally useless. Minnesota Timberwolves win. Oh my God,
0: Brandon. Brandon Anderson is a hater.
4: What are we doing? Just listen. (laughs) We are eight and eight in April. When the only job the team should have right now is to lose enough games to make sure that they have at least a 40% chance at keeping the top three pick that they shouldn't have traded away anyway, but now have to live with, the, the team is going to win just enough games to quote unquote establish a winning culture. The same thing that the same garbage they've fed us for the last like 15 years. Guess who doesn't establish a winning culture? The Timberwolves. We win a couple games and then start the next season and lose a whole bunch more again. There's no winning culture carryover. It's not happening. Listen, we made the playoffs once, one time since Kevin Garnett left the, t- the team. That one playoff that they did was in 2018 when the Timberwolves won the final game of the season, game 82 against the Denver Nuggets. And even that one time when the Timberwolves made the playoffs, it cost them their draft pick. Because their draft pick was traded like always and it was lottery protected. So it dropped them from 14 to 15. They lost the draft pick. Guess who was the 14th pick in the draft that year? Denver got the pick instead. Did you figure it out? It's Michael Porter Jr. So the Timberwolves just keep on blowing chances to help themselves with draft picks. I don't care about eight and eight, I don't care about wins and D'Angelo Russell winning culture. Your job right now is to protect the asset of the team and draft pick for next year make sure that you finish at least on the bottom four anything outside of that is a disaster their odds drop from 40 to 36 to 31 and keep on going it's already unlikely they're going to keep the pick but they they have i don't care they just can't win any more games
3: lose a couple games get the draft pick Dude, it's flattened like if it was on the previous ones okay but the like the whole thing is the odds are flattened like, there's still a really good chance that you wind up with a with a great player in this in this draft. Like, there's still a really great great chance of that. Like, I, I get I get the pick. I get the trade threat. I do. I understand. And like, I get that you're mad that they traded it for Russell. I get it. I do. I totally get that. Russell's been bad until like the last couple of games. Um, I, the one thing I will tell you is when you're talking about building building culture, Brandon. Like, honestly, like you got to have the GM and you got to have the coach and they had the GM, but they didn't have the coach because they kept the coach because the, the, the owner liked the coach. Okay. They're going to have new ownership. They're going to have a new, they, the, roses is going to be a good GM. I'll tell you like Gerson's going to be yeah. a good GM. Definitely. And Finch is the guy. Like, I'm telling yes. you, Finch is the guy. Like yeah. I've lo- like when they were talking about Vanderpool versus Finch, I was like, this is not a question. And like, I think David Vanderpool has earned like a definite shot in this league. I hope he gets one with Portland next season. But to prove me wrong that you can play drop defense and be effective in the NBA, but Chris Finch is a like great coach. Like he is going to be awesome. And there is value in uh, the other thing I'll tell you is just getting even like, let's go beyond like, like winning a championship and like all this stuff. Look at how Carl Anthony Towns has looked on the floor these last couple of games and what he's been through. Like, you, you need, like, I honestly think this, like, you need to, you need to start winning for Cap for so that he's not, like, it's been hell for that kid. Like, he has been in hell since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, like, you lose a couple of percentage points on your lottery. You know what would be worse? You tanking, looking like garbage, everyone's miserable,
2: and then getting jumped. That is way more miserable.
4: Yeah, I I agree with all of that. I agree with Finch is the guy. Rosas is the guy. I'm excited to have both of those two. I love in the moment to watch Carl Anthony Towns win a big game. I love to be happy for for the big man. The odds are flatter. As long as you finish in the final bottom three, they're the the exact same. Look, I know the odds. I I can tell you like the percentage to the 10th of a point. It starts dropping. If you are a bottom three team versus the fifth worst team, your odds of keeping a top three pick go from 40% to 30%. Like that's not insignificant. That is you have lost 25% of your odds of winning and keeping your pick this year. That has to matter. So great. Keep the Finch momentum, keep the cat momentum, win a couple more games. If you have to then shut it down and lose out. And you, you have to make sure they have to stay in the bottom four. Anything, any, if, you, if you're go to four, you lose a little bit. Anything beyond that, I don't care.
3: That wraps it up for the Action Network NBA podcast. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. I know that we did. Great show. We'll be back next week with another episode on Wednesday. Make sure to check out all the great shows on this feed, including golf, MLB, and NFL draft coverage through and through. If you want to bet on the NFL futures, and I know I do, you're going to want to see what happens in the draft, and you're going to want to get the analysis from our award-winning experts. Make sure to check that out on the speed and download the award winning Action Network app on your phone or mobile device right now. We'll see you guys again next week. Thanks for joining us on the Action Network Podcast, NBA edition.
0: We're finished talking.